0: Welcome to The Tiny Podcast Project, a Sin Media production in association with Hindenburg. Made by young people, for young people.
1: An interstellar radio message, or IRM, is a message sent into space with the intention of reaching exo civilizations Scientists around Earth have been developing IRMs in an attempt to end the great silence of the universe. The idea that humans will never make contact with a potential life beyond Earth. Some argue the zoo theory, that extraterrestrials already know of us and are watching, waiting for us to become advanced enough to make contact. While such theories propelled the development of research in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, also known as SETI, others have raised concerns with our now 60 plus years of known active searching, such as the common nasty alien hypothesis. The suggestion that exo civilizations more technologically advanced than us could have the same morally ambiguous global history as our own civilization, if not amplified. Paolo Masso raised the idea in his research and proposed basic cases for the potential dangers of IRMs, such as the introduction of destabilizing information or technology invasion, or an alien computer virus that could wipe out all technology on Earth. Even the cultural shock of making contact is dangerous to some degree. The risks are constantly weighted and debated, but because the field of SETI is so based in the unknown, it all needs to be considered. We simply don't know what is out there, and to this day, around the world, we send messages out to the stars, introducing Earth to the universe again and again. I'm not going to really go into the science behind these messages in any real way, and I probably couldn't do it if I tried. And this is in no way an extensive history of SETI. This is sort of a greatest IRM hits. Scientific and pseudo. To see what the value is in these universal voicemails, and what seems important to IRM based on what we've seen, or sent, so far. The Morse messages was one of the first uses of the Evpatoria planetary radar by Russian scientists in 1962. It isn't classified as an official IRM, but was one of the first messages sent out with the intention of reaching life beyond Earth. The message was aimed at Venus, and as the name suggests, was sent in Morse code first sending MIR on the 19th of November signifying we are a peaceful world in Russia, and later sending Lenin and SSR on the 23rd. It has been calculated that the message is now on its way to the Libra constellation, although once again it is not considered a genuine interstellar radio message, probably more of a demonstration of technological achievement over a genuine attempt at reaching life, especially considering the simplicity of the message and it being Morse code, which when you think about it is likely only understood by our own civilization. Still, it was a precursor to the method and idea of sending messages into space. In 1974, we had the Arecibo message, believed to be the first genuine IRM. One of the leaders in this endeavour was Carl Sagan. I feel like it's also worth mentioning his involvement in the Pioneer plaque two years earlier, in which literal plaques with some basic visual representations of humanity were attached to the Pioneer spacecrafts and hurled into space. Interestingly, depictions of genitalia on the sketches of the male and female anatomy still needed to be censored by NASA which we'll come back to later. Plucks aside, the Arecibo message was a bit more coordinated in its attempt to reach ETs. The then-newly refurbished and upgraded Arecibo Observatory, which until '74 had predominantly been used for passive SETI communication, which is simply listening out for messages from extraterrestrials rather than sending signals. But on the 16th of November, the observatory participated in the world's first genuine attempt at active SETI, sending our own messages out to the universe, and far... The message was broadcast only once, lasting three minutes to be decoded into 1,273 bits of information. The final picture once decoded looked somewhat like a basic Atari pixel art, but contained some information about humanity considered important in introducing the human race and Earth to other life and planets. The information included things like the makeup of the DNA molecule, a bit sketch of a human being that you couldn't even add genitalia to if you tried, and a sketch of our solar system. A crowd gathered on the edges of the Arecibo, after a series of speeches the message was sent to the M13 system. There was a short public address and the message was sent to space. All the general public could hear was three minutes of egregious two-tone audio, but what the audio symbolised was enough to move the crowd to tears. The M13 system being so far away essentially means it's going to take around 25,000 years for the Aracema message to arrive at its destination, and subsequently 50,000 years for us to receive a reply from an exo-civilization. That is also assuming they will be able to decode the message, understand the symbols, and care to reply. Years later, NASA would send out the sounds of the Earth on the Voyagers 1 and 2 two golden vinyl records containing whale songs and many other comprehensive sounds and images of humanity. Like the NASA plaque before, this isn't really an IRM, but I feel like mentioning it as it's perhaps the rarest vinyl in the entire universe, but probably only to Earth. In 1977, a 72 second transmission was received by the Big Ear Observatory in Ohio. Volunteer astronomer Jerry Eyman noticed the radio signals from the direction of the constellation Sagittarius were stronger than typical deep space radiation. He wrote WOW on the printout of these signals. Hence it became known as the wow signal, and it is the most well-known possible attempt of ETs reaching out to us. To this day, its meaning, if any, remains a mystery. 35 years later, National Geographic would lead the wow response, with help from the Arecibo Observatory. Encoding Public submitted tweets and videos from celebrities such as Stephen Colbert. I would say public involvement like this and general fanfare has become quite common in today's active SETI. Alexander Zaitsev, in a 2011 article that outlined the classification of interstellar radio messages, suggested only five at the time be considered genuine, meeting many standards. The first being the Arecibo message, as mentioned before, the following being messages Zaitsev himself has been involved with, and, coincidentally, sent from the same Evpatoria planetary radar, the forerunner of these IRMs, the Morse messages, was sent from back in 1962. These projects involved the Cosmic Cause of 1999 and 2003, the Teenage Message in 2001, and a message from Earth in 2008. Besides these and a few more projects since Sightstev's paper in 2011, the bulk of declared IRM projects aren't serious medi-projects, described as pseudo or stunts. Some companies, like the Deep Space Communication Networks, were considered pseudo for their alleged lack of scientific accuracy or transparency. States have called them out, claiming radio messages are being transmitted with no definitive address, low power, and without any special encoding that would allow decoding of the messages at the receiving side. (laughs) Despite this, companies as big as Craigslist have used this service. Yeah, Craigslist have advertised via interstellar radio messaging. Space is not safe from capitalism. In fact, Doritos were allegedly the first to advertise to ETs, with help from the University of Leicester in 2008, sending an advertisement voted by the British public to the Great Bear Constellation 42 light-years away. The radar they used, though, was very small compared to that needed to overcome huge interstellar distances. And the Doritos advert authors did not use special encoding, but instead transmitted the video file in the common compression format, which definitely cannot be decoded by aliens. There is also the case of Joe Davis, who led the quasi-covert operation Poetica Vaginal. Recorded the vaginal contractions of ballerinas with the Boston Ballet and other women, translating what he dubbed the impetus of human conception into text, music, phonic speech, and ultimately radio signals, which were being from MIT's Millstone radar to four nearby star systems. Joe Davis said of this
0: The images placed aboard the Pioneer 10 and 11 spacecraft show impeccably groomed men that lack any facial and body hair, and women with no external genitalia. Poetica vaginal was in part a response to this curious censorship. By making this attempt to communicate with the other, we're really communicating with ourselves.
1: As Joe Davis also explained,
0: On the eve before live broadcasts were to be made, the Millstone Project group leader, who was also a United States Air Force colonel, terminated the project. Still, a few minutes of test transmissions were made to each of the four sun-like stars.
1: Zaitsev raised questions of this operation's scientific legitimacy, and given Davis' claims of the project being shut down by MIT, even its legality. Bringing attention to the fact no one has explained how the pulse radar was used for transmitting the vaginal sounds, nor is it clear how such a massive antenna was able to send radio messages to all four stars in just a few minutes. Some of the pseudo-IRMs, while ingenuine, are more obviously novelty than anything truly deceitful, like the 2008 Across the Universe transmission, in which the Beatles song Across the Universe was transmitted by NASA using a 70-meter antenna located in the Deep Space Network in Madrid. The message was aimed at Polaris, 430 light years from us whose planetary system is not suited for the origin of life. On top of this, usage of coding and consequent compression made the message essentially inaccessible without our technology. All considered, many in the field suggest the NASA Beatles transmission is scientifically inefficient. The Sonar Calling Project from 2018 is a more recent example of music-related novelty IRMs, with 38 musicians sending music to the GJ273B planet, 12.4 light years away. This was to celebrate the 25-year anniversary of Sonar Festival in Barcelona. President of Medi Doug Vacouch, claimed an Press video There is no better way to celebrate 25 years of sonar than sending music to extraterrestrials. Discussions of the practicality of messages and the extreme unlikeliness that even the most basic of a message could even be sufficiently decoded and understood. I feel his words here suggested a lot as to the role iron's play in our world today, and possibly all along. From simple codes to molecular structures, maps of our solar systems, censored sketches of the human body, artistic protests of such censoring, Doritos ads to songs and other texts heavily based in pop-cultural signifiers only valuable to some countries on Earth, our global history of IRM's comes across more as messy space spamming. But we are talking about the science of searching for extraterrestrial intelligence, attempts to end the great silence of the universe, and we just don't know how or when that silence will end, if at all. But despite all the variables, all the uncertainty if anything at all is decipherable, even the risks involved if we do make contact, Around the world, we continue to send interstellar radio messages. And those who have dedicated their life and careers to this field's monitoring and sending signals still have hope. And even with the less scientifically credible messages like NASA broadcasting the Beatles across the universe, maybe they're trying to give us hope. Take it from Frank Drake, one of the aforementioned leaders of the Arecibo message, the first officially recognised and realised IRM. When being interviewed in 2019, he claimed, As much as the Arecibo message was a message to those far-distant stars, At the same time, it was a message to us about what is
0: possible. You have just listened to Interstellar Radio Messages, Our Voicemails to the Universe, a tiny podcast project by Sammy Perryman, which is me. Featured original music and sound effects by me, with the exception of some royalty-free sound effects and interpolation of The Beatles, Across the Universe, and this outro song, which is Wide Eyes by Chad Crouch. And finally, I'd like to acknowledge and pay my respect to the people of the Larrakia Nation, whose unceded lands this show was recorded and produced on. I respectfully acknowledge their ancestors and elders, past, present, and emerging. I also acknowledge the traditional custodians. And their ancestors of the lands and waters across so-called Australia, where our content reaches and which, since partners' organisations stand, sovereignty was never ceded. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land.